Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess will be here after the first segment. And uh, this is going to be a good show because we're going to be talking about 10 reasons why masculinity is not toxic. You know, everybody talks about uh, the movies and the shows that are on TV about always showing dad is a knucklehead. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, we need to restore manhood in our culture. Also, we're going to be talking about the new movie, Nefarious, that's coming out this weekend. Uh, it's a the truth about Satan. The people who put the movie out are the same ones who who put out God is not dead. They're two of uh, Catholic men who are devout Catholics. So um, everything I've read about it, they uh, said it's really a great movie to show like your neighbors who are away from church about the seriousness of the devil. Because remember, the devil is most powerful when people don't think he exists because he can get away with anything. So there you go on that. Now, I call it your need-to-know file. This is blew me away. America imported $78.8 billion in cell phones and other household goods from China. Why do I say that? Because of the business that we've given China over the last 40 years, they've built up their economy to a point where uh, they're competing militarily with us. And it's just interesting. I personally don't believe we should do business with atheistic communist government because it not only hurts us, it hurts the people in China who are being treated like a commodities and not by individual people. So that's what my take is on that. Also, it's interesting, uh, uh, the bishops in the Philippines came out as a bishops' conference condemning Freemasonry. Well, why did they have to do that? Because a lot of the Freemasons are trying to say, oh, see, you know, look at the church. You know, we're, we're, we have no issues with you. Well, yeah, right. Uh, but I'm glad that the bishops came out to say that, yes, we do. Freemasonry and Catholicism has never uh, been a, a compatible program. So there you go. All the bishops and priests were consistent on that. Thank you very much, bishops in Philippines. All right, let's get to some soul food. And I wanted to read from the Acts of the Apostles again. All week long, this is the octave of Easter. So really, we have a mini Easter every day this week. And uh, I'm loving it. You know, the readings are just fantastic. And this theme of this reading is there's no salvation through anyone else other than Jesus Christ. And, you know, we live in a time right now where many people, you know, say, oh, yeah, Jesus is the, you know, one way. No, no, no. Read the Bible. Here it comes. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. After the crippled man had been cured, while Peter and John were still speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, confronted them, disturbed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Remember, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, okay? They laid hands on Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day. Since it was already evening, but many of those who heard the word came to believe, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Think about that number of men. So tens of thousands, because you got women and children. On the next day, their leaders, elders, and scribes were assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, 
and all who were of the high priestly class. They brought to them in their presence and questioned them, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled the Holy Spirit, answered them, Leaders of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a cripple, namely, by what means he was saved, then all of you and all the people of Israel should know that it was in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. In his name, this man stands before you healed. He is the stone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The last part of that reading says it all. There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. I bring this up because in the modern church, when I mean modern, and I'm living the last 50, 60 years, there's been a movement that says, oh, Jesus is just one of the ways to salvation. People get saved through Buddhism, Islam, uh, Judaism. No, that's not what the Catholic Church's perennial teachings are. Let me explain something. If somebody who's non-Catholic is saved, it's through Jesus Christ. And I remember St. Faustina, who we're celebrating the Mercy Sunday this Sunday, she mentioned uh, in her writings, the diary, that through... Uh, the church's graces, you know, Jesus Christ, that when that person dies and they've lived a good life, somehow our Lord gives them an opportunity to make a choice when they see that Jesus Christ is the only way. They can reject him or accept him. So somebody who gets saved outside the church, it's not, they might be outside the visible church, but they're saved through the church, whether they know it or not. So I think it's we need clarity on that issue because so many times we hear, Bishops and priests and lay people make, make the comment that, you know, everybody's going to be saved. But that's not what the Bible says. And so I, I just think that um, we've lost the focus of how difficult it is to get to heaven. I mean, difficult in this sense. It's a decision, and then you have to live that state of grace. By the time when you die, you want to be in that state of grace to get to heaven. So that's the reading on that. Now, at this point, I'd like to bring in the smartest guy into the room, who's Archbishop And again, I'd like to make a plug. Folks, go to our website, vmpr.org. We have a link for Fulton Sheen's cause for beatification. If you remember, it was a couple years ago that he was going to be beatified. And just to refresh your memory, the uh, church was concerned that the New York State was doing an investigation in the diocese up where Bishop Sheen was at on the sexual abuse. Well, they were concerned that somehow Bishop Sheen might be involved in this. So they said it would be a wrong move for us to beatify someone that would have been involved in this. We should wait. Well, the Peoria Diocese, who was sponsoring the beatification, already did the research, came up clean. But that's what they stopped it for two weeks before the event. It was horrible. 
So the state came in and did their due diligence and said, no, Bishop Sheen's clean. So now what we're asking is, okay, let's get the beatification back in schedule. Well, it's not that easy. So that's why I'm asking lay people to get involved and say, look, we're going to ask the Holy Mother of the Church to beatify Fulton Sheen since there are no issues. The miracles have been approved. Everything's approved. And so that's, that's what we're uh, asking on that website. So if you can put your name on that, I would appreciate it and just say, hey, I want to see Bishop Sheen beatified also. So here's what Bishop Sheen said today. And this fits really well. Almost everyone today wants a religion, but everyone wants a religion that does not cost too much. That is why Christianity has been watered down to suit the modern man. Well, Bishop Sheen, you nailed it. Um, I can see that happening in my own lifetime. I call it lowering the bar. Lowering the bar means everybody's going to be saved. Don't worry about mortal sin. Ah, you know, you love that other girl. Go ahead and, and marry her. Who cares? I mean, you know, uh, you heard what uh, Cardinal McElroy said. Uh, you know, no problem. Uh, that, that's okay. No, it's not. Just remember, always go back to the perennial teachings of the church, and you won't have to worry about watering down anything. And this is what Bishop Sheen is saying, that, yeah, people want that religion, but you know, on Monday, I'm going to do a show with Father Charles Murr, and uh, we're going to talk about about who's welcome to come to church. And we're not going to be singing the song, All Are Welcome. We're going to talk about People are welcome to come, repent, and believe in the gospel. That's the message we want to give to people because that's the perennial teaching, the biblical worldview is that. Not that, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, so you're living a double life. Hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, tough. it's tough on you. So, uh, you know, eh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. And what Bishop Sheen is saying is that we can't stop. We can't be lowering the bar for religion because... You'll have nothing. You'll be one with the world. And we don't want to be that. And I always think of that statement that that's why I'm telling you this. I'm not going to worry about who will be offended by speaking the truth about salvation. Oh, I'm going to worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if I don't preach the truth. So I have a moral obligation, and so does everybody in the church, not to compromise the church teachings because of convenience sake. And I just want to remind you, Every priest makes this promise when he's ordained. The question is, are you resolved to be faithful consent, and uh, consent to the proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the second question they're supposed to say yes to is, are you resolved to maintain the deposit of faith, entire and corrupt, as handed down by the apostles and professed by the church everywhere and at all times? And the bishops, priests have to say yes. And if they don't want to say yes anymore, step aside because you're ruining souls. Remember, the motto here at Virgin Most Powerful is this. If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls are not saved, nothing is saved. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess will be back with us. We're going to talk about the 10 reasons why masculinity is not toxic. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. I want to make a clarification. When I was talking about Archbishop Fulton Sheen's beatification and the obstacles, I mentioned that 
the local bishop a couple years ago said to the Holy See that, hey, you shouldn't do this now because if the state of New York finds out that Bishop Sheen was involved in any sexual abuse issues, meaning that in his diocese he moved priests around, then we shouldn't be out of fine. Well, that found out that, that he didn't do that, and he got a clean bill of health. And so there's nothing stopping Fulton Sheen from being beatified. That's why I say I want the lay people to go on our website, sign the petition, go to vmpr.org, sign the petition that you want to see Bishop Sheen beatified. Yeah. Nothing should be holding us back now. Jess Romero, back from <laughs> Jess is on. I'll tell you, man, if he could bilocate, he would, but he can't. <laughs> Jess, God bless you, brother. We're, we're right into the point of talking about the 10 reasons why masculinity Absolutely. is not toxic. Well, let's jump. Yeah, I just finished two other interviews, so just yeah. <laughs> no. I, plus, plus, I did my my Jesus nine one one this morning. Had a radio interview before that. Had a oh radio interview gosh. after that. Now I'm on with the Terry and Jesse show. I love hey, it. All, all for Jesus. Amen, brother. As, get, uh, get that man as, a drink of water. Go yeah, ahead, Jesse. Okay, so masculinity yeah. is under attack on two fronts. Oh yeah. The first attack comes from feminism. Radical feminism promotes the idea that traditional manhood is not only toxic, but harmful to women and hurtful to 52 <laughs> imagined <laughs> genders. Oh, no. Sorry about that. It's 74. And it's going to be 84 by the time we end our show. Keep going, Jess. <laughs> the second line of attack comes from Hollywood. Surprise, oh, yeah. surprise. surprise. Which, which promotes a twisted concept of manhood that's based on vulgar and immoral and machismo and womanizing. So we're going to give you 10 reasons that will help you dismantle the lies of toxic feminism and discover the virtues of real manhood according to the Judeo-Christian understanding. So number one. Yep. The first, the first reason why masculinity is not toxic is the patriarchy is not toxic. Why? Well, in pro-abortion rallies, they frequently feature signs that attack the patriarchy. But what is the patriarchy? And why do leftists hate it so much? Well, the word patriarchy comes from the word father, pater, pater, which means father in Latin. Patriarchy is a natural consequence of the traditional family. The social unit of the family calls for an authority that will keep it united. This authority is usually the patriarch who has the gift to discern, lead, harmonize, coordinate, set the tone, and bring out the best in others. The patriarch is what sociologists call a representative character. He inspires his family members to seek goals of perfection. When imbued with Catholic virtue, he moves his family to the highest of all goals, which is what? Sanctification, making your family holy. Far from being toxic, the patriarchy is necessary for the growth, development, and progress of society. A healthy society is structured with good fathers. On the other hand, you want to know what, what toxic is? Liberals who want to destroy the natural leadership and influence of good fathers. That's why in Catholicism, there's a book called Liberalism is a Sin. From Tan Books, check it out. Jess, this is turning the tables on the feminists, these liberal feminists, these 10 points, and they're very good. Number two point, boys are not toxic. American scientist Dr. Luane 
Byzantine, author of The Male Brain and the Female Brain, explains what feminists hate to accept. Here it comes. Boys and girls develop differently. Oh, really? Mm. They think differently. Really? Yeah. And mm. communicate differently. I mean, all of the above. And come on, man. It's, it's just how it is. However, our education system favors girls over boys as the psychiatrist and New York best-selling Times best-selling author uh, Michael Thompson states, girls behave in the gold standard in schools. Boys are treated like defective girls. You know, this is mm. turning the tables. Now, doesn't treating boys like defective girls sound toxic? Absolutely, Jesse. Yeah, like, boys, quit playing uh, cowboys and Indians. Boys, quit making your finger into, into a gun and, and shooting robbers. Yep. This is making boys girls, Terry. Exactly. And, and I believe, Jesse, a lot of the feminization of what I call homosexuality is being encouraged with this position of taking masculinity away from boys because what happens to the boys? They become more feminine. 100% agree with you. Point number three, <clears throat> violence against evil is not toxic. Every day, evildoers disturb the peace. Think about Antifa, oh, Black yeah. Lives Matter, uh, the temple of, you know, Satanist. Yeah. Acts of violence like home invasions, school shooters, or terrorist attacks need to be addressed with physical force. For that reason, some professions require the use of physical force like the U.S. Marine Corps and the police department. The use of force against violent criminals is good and just. It's also necessary for the maintenance of order and peace. And it's normal for men to be attracted to these honorable jobs. There's a Latin maxim, civis pacem parbellum, which means if you want peace, prepare for war. That's not outdated. And since men are the best warriors by nature, they are the best peacekeepers. Yep. You know what's toxic? When liberals attack the police or dishonor the military profession, pretending that nice words alone will stop a shooter. <laughs> you know, Jesse, this is why the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches that we fathers have, can use proportionate measures to stop an aggressor in our home. For example, somebody is coming in to do harm to your wife and children. Not only are you obligated, you must defend your family. This is a moral obligation that God expects us to do, not just call 911. No, if you got a, an attacker in your home, you got to take care of business because that's what men do. All right, number four, real men practice purity. Oh, boy, this is really good. Mm. Hollywood projects a false image of manhood. You know, it, its movies feature profane, impure, and immoral men. Uh, but real men are virtuous and pure. True manhood is united so closely to virtue that the word for man in Latin is ver viral, right? That's where we get virtue, as, ver, the, yeah, right, ver. as the same root. And Jesse, let's be honest. Every movie, even shows like, um, you know, that we saw when we were kids, they just, they, they, the, um, they would play the man as a doofus, you know, somebody as a knucklehead, mm -hmm. never as a manly man. And so this is what Hollywood is presenting to men to indulge in every disordered passion. Right. Men have become enslaved to sin, but nothing strips manliness away from men more than the enslavement to sin. I'll give an example of that, Jess. Contraception, OK, made recreational sex. 
Exactly. We're down to 1.6 per couple for having children. The replacement is 2.1 per couple. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because we don't want uh, having a rela- have intimacy with our wives for children. We want it for recreation. And so that's yep. been sold to us. And we've got to reject it. Start with you, Hefner, by the way. Yeah, that's right, Jess. You nailed yeah. it. Yeah. A man who governs his passion is the master of the world, teaches St. Dominic. Wow. We must either command them or be enslaved by them. It's better to be a hammer than an anvil. You know, Jess, I have to just tell one story. And this is a quickie. And that is, I'll never forget being, trying to live a virtuous life by staying close to the sacraments when I was in real estate. And I told you this before. Yes. Where a young woman came on to me because she wanted my business because I was one of the top producers in the state, right? Mm-hmm. And for title policies. And she jumps into my lap, puts her arms around me, and says, what do I need to do, uh, honey, to get your business? And I, and I stood up and knocked her on her, you know what? And I said, honey, you don't do that to me. I said, you have a dignity right in front of the office manager. Now, the only reason I could do that, Jess Romero, is because I was living a sacramental life. If I was living a secular world, are you kidding me? (laughs) It would be just the eye. Well, sweetie, come on, (laughs) let's go for lunch. Exactly. You'd have been like like an octopus. Of course. Now, (laughs) there's a professor, um, Correa del Overa states, there's no other virtue that prepares one for more manliness impurity and that's another thing getting married as a virgin i want to encourage all of our men and women that it's a beautiful gift to give yourself to your wife when you hadn't given yourself to anyone else this is why men who have the strength to fight impurity are capable of every type of heroism and that's true that's why i believe jesse in the military um in my opinion Men who are living pure lives are going to be the best soldiers. Amen. Therefore, without a, without a doubt, because again, yeah. just like St. Dominic says, yep. because they've learned to govern their passions. Yep. Larry. So mas- masculinity and sanctity, a man's, a man's man is a saint. See, this is our model, not Hugh Hefner. No. Amen. You know, he's 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 going to send us to hell. He, he's a weak man, Terry. He's he weak. follows his disordered passions. Exactly. He doesn't follow his intellect or, yeah, he's, so he's man, driven be, by his... Be real men. Yeah, live. when you're driven by your passions, you're, you're, you act like a beast. There you go. As Scott Hahn says. Yep, number five, Jess. Scholarly men are not toxic. There's nothing wrong with being a man of thought. In fact, the best men of action are frequently men of profound thought. Plato got it right when he said a man should strive to have a balance between his physical and mental development. Throughout history, men perfected their intellect in philosophy, politics, engineering, theology, history, and science. Mm-hmm. Grand intellectual pursuits gave men the ability to tackle and solve complex problems. It's not a question of how many degrees you have. It's about using your intelligence properly. Consider the army general who orchestrates hundreds of complex battle maneuvers in his mind or think about the colossal intellectual achievements of St. Thomas Aquinas. There's nothing toxic about gifted generals or brilliant theologians. Terry? Well, Jesse, before we go on, that's excellent. And, you know, I know some people are thinking, gosh, guys, I mean, uh, what's your issue? Well, our issue is this. We're fighting a world that won't let men be real men. And in the church, even, Jesse, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to go to another level, and that is getting the women out of the sanctuary, okay? Because what it does to the men, it drives them away. I'm, I'm convinced, Jesse, vocations to the priesthood, we've lost many vocations because we allowed women 
as altar servers. And I'll be honest with you, readers. All right, get Grandma Barbara out of the uh, out of the sanctuary. Grandma Romero out of the sanctuary. She belongs in the church, not on the sanctuary. And and this is what is going on. Even in the church, it's affected us in a very negative way. Okay, absolutely. And and the and the synodal synod of synodality is just par for the course. Yes, and you even see it. They're wanting to have the, the bishops' conference. You know what the church is doing right now? They're bringing in lay people, men and women. Whatever happened to the bishops' conference? Unbelievable. You see, this is why the world has affected the church right now. Just go on to number six. Point number six. Civilized men are not toxic. Good manners, etiquette, and courtesy are noble traits that every man should acquire and practice. Even poor men are able to practice these virtues. Oh, boy. Hang on, Jess. I didn't realize the time. That was my mistake. When we come back, we'll continue on civilized men are not toxic. Yeah, you think? Well, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. I can say it. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Stay tuned to the Terry and Jesse show talking about true masculinity. We'll be right back, family. Wow, Jess, let's continue on this topic of masculinity. Reason number six why masculinity is not toxic. Not toxic. (laughs) Point number six, civilized men are not toxic. Good manners, etiquette, courtesy are noble traits that every man should acquire and practice. Even poor men are able to practice these virtues. Before feminism, men were gentlemen. Always striving for a higher standard of excellence, the gentleman willingly overcame the brutal part of his nature and displayed masculine gentleness that spoke of dignity, nobility, and protection. Mm -hmm. It was the Catholic Church that first recognized and elevated the dignity of men, but especially women, who were so degraded in pagan times. Christian morality created an atmosphere of charity, trust, and respect that harmonized and protected both sexes. It's not toxic to be a gentleman. But you know what is toxic? Reverting back to barbaric times when women were treated like chattel. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, I'll give you a quick story because stories tell the story. When I was raising my boys, I always said, you know, you open doors for women like I do for my wife still today. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the point of it is my boys were growing up. We were at a a grocery store, at a a store that um, I think it was... Uh, Home Depot or something. It was it was a, a store we were going into where you didn't have an automatic door. And when we were walking in, my son was opening the door because he saw a lady coming out. And when he opened the door, the lady said, young man, I can open my own door. And my you know 11-year-old boy says, ma'am, I understand you can open your own door, but I'm a gentleman. I open doors for women. And she looked at him like, what planet are you from, young man? Who's telling you that? Mm. See, but that's because... We teach our kids. We need to let the kids at an early age understand the differences with men and women and what our role is and what their role is. And some people will get mad at us and say, oh, come on. It's not that clear. No, it's, it's, it's clear because a biblical worldview of men and women is in the Bible. So let's just follow it. All right, Jess. Number seven, is that what we're on? I'm, yeah, go uh, ahead, Terry. Every man, okay, it's not toxic to be adventurous. Yeah, you're not kidding. Every man loves adventure. It's driving force behind boyhood battles, exploration, and daring dreams. 
missionaries, pioneers, explorers, captains, sailors who charted the world's sea, endured great risks, sacrifice, and suffering to achieve epic goals. From St. Isaac Job, who braved every hardship to convert the Indians, to men like Lewis and Clark, who trailblazed 8,000 uh, miles across America, there is a constant search for something beyond the domestic, parochial, or uh, uh, provincial. Jesse, uh, this yearning is greatness is good. It's not toxic. And, you know, let me just say something to you uh, on this. When my boys were growing up, they were teenagers, and I had them, they wanted to build a boat and we, uh, from wood. You know, we built a boat, it took about 14 months, and they wanted to sail the boat 26 miles across the sea to Santa Catalina Island from, <laughs> from the California. And you remember I did this. Sounds like the barber boys. Yeah, and I said, I said, okay, well, let's do our due diligence. First, what do we do? We get the confession before we get on that boat. Right? Yep. That's right. And we do all our due diligence, all our safety precautions, have everything all lined up. I mean, they had it all lined up. They went and they had the time of their life. When they came back, Jess, my boys, I think, grew in masculinity and in in their own maturity because they conquered taking a little 12 and a half foot boat (laughs) with a little motorboat across the sea into an island and came back and... You know, many people were saying, You're, that's crazy to let your boys do that. <laughs> well, I did it for that reason, Jesse. I felt like this is a good thing for them. They're at that age now. And believe me, they felt from doing that they could conquer anything, Jess. And that's why I did that. So I think adventure is part of growing up. Great Amen. story, Terry. Thanks for sharing that. You just put meat on, you put meat on this uh, <laughs> just, on point number seven. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's go to point number eight, eight because, you, yeah, you just took care of that. Number eight, male breadwinners are not toxic. You think? Feminists argue that women should be equally the breadwinners of the family to make the point they compete with men in the workforce, often at the expense of motherhood. As a result, children are treated as time-consuming burdens that need to be sent off to daycare where they miss their mother's care and affection. Although circumstances might force both mother and father to work, it is not the ideal. There's nothing wrong for men to be the sole breadwinners of the family, There's nothing wrong with having fewer material things in life, especially if mothers can focus more on rearing children. What's toxic? When children are raised by strangers in daycare centers. Have you seen some of the videos of what happens in daycare centers behind mom and dad's back? Horrible, horrible. And also, uh, I just read this. In fact, I was was driving this morning uh, to to the store, and I heard on a radio station, a local station, that said that 16% of women in America are the primary breadwinners. Wow. Guess what? That's that's almost one out of five. That's disorder, Terry. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's disorder. Now, it's something different if uh, if the man, you know, fell off of a scaffold and he broke his back in half and he I can't work it. no more. I get, I get that. And then mom has to step up and, 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 you know, step up to the plate. I get that. But other than, oh, I just got a high school diploma and I dig ditches. My wife's got a master's degree from UCLA. She makes more money, so I'm going to stay home and she's and take care of the kids. And she's going to. That's uh, that's disordered, Terry. That's yeah. all I can say. It's a well, very disordered way to have a relationship. Yeah, I have friends who who've become from uh, when I was training lighthouse reps. I'll never forget guys saying, "I'm a stay-at-home dad," and I oh. tried to convince him not to do that for his kids and his wife. I said it ruins you, but you know what? Um, I'm not politically correct, so I, I, I told him right up front what you need to do. Well, that's all right. All right, chivalry is not toxic. 
Terry, there's book. even a yeah, yeah. there's even I, I, it's in the book of Sirach. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at it. Up oh after. yes, in the book of Sirach, there's a verse that yes. basically said, uh, "It is it is wrong. Yeah. It is disordered when a wife." Uh, supports her husband. It's in the book of Sirach. I'll find it before the show ends. Good, good job. Chivalry is not toxic. The more feminist attempts to tear down chivalry, the more it shines. The virtues of the Catholic chivalry that flourished in the Middle Ages did more to perfect manhood than anything else in history. <laughs> You're not kidding. Even today, crusaders like St. Louis the ninth of St. Ferdinand of Castle continued to set the standard of what it means to be a man. Father Robert Kane, S.J., and I don't remember who he is, but he writes this, that during the Middle Ages, there was a light which grew brighter as the, groom, uh, as the gloom around grew blacker, a light that had been kindled within man's soul by a fire that came from heaven, the light of honor. That was fanned by divine faith till it reached the glorious uh, radiance of Christian chivalry. Jess, I just want to add something. I'm going to continue here. But I think about the military, that they're having such a hard time getting qualified men and women into the military. I think one of the big elements is is that men uh, have lost the will to fight for righteousness. Okay, In other words, I know when my son went into the military— he wanted to go out, go in and fight the bad guys to keep America safe. safe. Okay, that was honorable. I get that. But I don't think they're doing that now. Father Cain continues, Without chivalry, wealth has no worth. Amen. Pleasure, no charm. Fame, no fascination. Success, no crown. Without it, pros- um, prosperity crumbles to the value of the dust and all the finer flowers of human life will wither beneath the breath of bitter but just contempt and here comes life without chivalry leaves a gapping void in our soul and no amount of modern entertainment sports or video games can fill that emptiness and the lack of purpose i just want to add one thing jesse we've got an issue with young boys having all kinds of mental illness i'm convinced that one of the mental illnesses is the mixed signals they get growing up that says you can't be a boy. And I think that's messing up their, their, their psychic to do what, they're, what they were built to do. And so you have a high percentage of young boys going to see the psychiatrist when really what it was needed was is to give the boy what he, honor, what he should have, and that is show him chivalry because without that, he thinks he's broken. That's right. Go ahead and read number 10, Terry. I'm looking right. for that book. That right. person what is God at. calling you to be? Yeah. There is no cookie-cutter way to be a man. That's for sure. Every man should strive to practice as many virtues as possible. That's for sure. But since every soul is different, each man should pray for the grace to understand God's specific calling for him. Like so many of the Crusader saints, we should ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to guide us on this path. Uh, of sainthood and i might add pray for the courage to never give up always seek heroic perfection and i want to just say this while jesse's checking that out and catch me and when you get it let me know jess i want to mention that that the way do we find out what god's will is in our life is fulfilling our duties in our state in life so if you're a young man going to school do your schoolwork well if you're a woman uh, going to school same thing 
What God is calling you, you can fulfill through your daily duties and ask God to send you, you know, material, whatever you want that God wants. You want to do his will. But how do you know his will? And I say by practicing virtue, by living a Christ-centered life, God will show you the way. You don't need to uh, try and say, oh, I need something to come right into my ear. What you need to do is live your Catholic faith moment to moment, living in the presence of God, and that's how you'll find your vocation. Jess, did you find that yet? I'm still looking, Terry. Okay. Well, here's what I want to mention to people, because yeah. when we come back, we're going to talk about the new movie, Nefarious. But I also want to remind everybody, pick up those videos that we did on the Spiritual Warfare Conference two weeks ago. They're going like hotcakes. Go to catholicrc.org. You can order them by downloading them. And then show them to your family members. Not only that, if you've got a Bible study group, you've got a rosary group, show the videos to them. And Jess, I want to give you good news. The yeah. good news is we are now going to start our classes for convert classes. I think we're the only one in the United Praise States God. of America that can get you baptized as a Catholic in 12 weeks. No one else. Wow. You've got to go through RCIA. But what we're doing is May, May uh, 2nd, we start our classes, and I will be recording them. But here at the Anglican Ordinariate, we're kind of like setting them all. It's, uh, it's actually, uh, yeah, the 2nd of May. And uh, we'll be doing that every Tuesday night. So pray for us because we want to bring a lot of souls into the, into the church, and we don't have to wait two years. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We got Father Darren Merlino on the line. The verse that I was looking for is Sirach 25, 22, quote, there is <laughs> wrath and impudence and great disgrace when a wife supports her husband, close quote. Father Darren, you're on the Terry and Jesse show. You're on with us? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear yes, you. Sir. We can Perfect. see you, Father. God bless yeah. you. I, I went hey, to God watch the movie guys. last night. I went to watch the movie last night, Impudence. I have a lot to say about that. Uh, Mr. Engineer, can you play the two-minute clip? Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. He's trying to convince us he's gone insane. And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. We? <laughs> He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer. Not him. And give me something to make me believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. It's probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Makes me do that. I can't stop him. I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. Help me! I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. It won't let me! It can go away. 
Make him go away. Yes? No. Exactly what it is that we'd like you to do. I watched the movie last night, uh, my wife and myself. Thursday night, it opened up here uh, down the street from my house. We were the only two people <laughs> in the theater oh, because what? Yeah, well, because no, because it's been advertised all over Phoenix that it opens on Friday. Ah. So yeah, I went sense. to look. I, I told my wife, "Okay, we're going to go on Friday." Then she goes, "It's opening tonight down the street on Thursday." So I said, you know what? I'm going to beat the rush. We went last night. Uh, all I could do is tell tell uh, uh, Solomon and Consulman, your friends, tell them this yep. is a, a, a theological masterpiece. This is going to pull in secularist, atheist, uh, people of no faith. This is going to draw them in. It's going to make them take a second look at the supernatural. Father Darren, tell yes. us a little bit about the movie because you had a lot. you had a lot to do with this. Yeah, you know what? They they Chuck and Care are such great writers. All they wanted to make sure with me is that we had no theological heresy mm -hmm. in there. And I think you could honestly say, Jesse, there was not. There's oh, a was, there's a little it was creative. Solid. It was a solid. little creative. Uh, it was solid. There's a little creative uh, 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 theology at the towards. I don't want to say it because it has to deal with the the psychiatrist. Uh, we can always talk about that later, maybe about two or three weeks from down the road. But, you know, overall, when I first read it, I said, oh, my gosh, this is a really good movie. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I told everybody this is probably the most unique possession film you'll ever see in the history of film. Without a and doubt. Second is, it, and, and talking to Father Carlos Martins and myself, and we had, had a conversation at the premiere, and I've never done exorcisms. Uh, he's done quite a few, and I, I've never talked to Chad about this, Ripinger, Father Chad. But I would say that that kind of conversation, you know, you're not supposed to talk to a demon like we do in this film. But I think that the the intellectual uh, superiority of most of all of all angels, good or bad, it, that conversation you're always going to your human beings always going to lose that conversation, and they are so. When you, when you know that the demons are so uh, unmerciful and just hate us with a passion, I, I think the film does a really good job of showing us how they think, kind of like a screw tape letters, like a C.S. Lewis style of, mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of dialogue and how they want to bring us to hell. And I and there's like the story that I've talked about on your show before, Jesse, when uh, during the, the, the Satan squirrel story. That uh, happened during the part of the movie where, they're, where the devil's explaining in detail what their plan is. I mean, they have we have our gospel and they have their dark gospel. And so, uh, what I love about it, there's no cussing, there's right. no, it's there's clean. no dirty. I mean, it's 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 super clean. Yes. And it, it, how I got a rated R uh, rating is is the beyond my understanding. Finger. That's what I was told. The broken finger. That's yeah. Got it. 
you know, I'll, I saw I'll the t- movie Champions. I saw the movie Champions about yeah. the the special needs basketball. I thought it was gonna be like a clean, funny sure. movie with with Down syndrome. My best friend's child has Down syndrome, so I was like really excited to see. Yeah. Was I told you can't watch this film with your kid because it's it's dirty. It's got cussing. It's oh, got no. sexual innuendos, and and the finger was breaking broken in the basketball game, and it still got a PG thirteen rating. Yeah, how could that get a PG? I agree with you. And, that's what I was told. It was the finger breaking. Yeah, got it. Yeah, by the author of the by the you total know. total. Uh, Hollywood at its worst. Yep, I agree. D- Father Darren, this reminded me of the movie Silence of the Lambs. Yes. It, it Very really clever. It, it, it was the, the screenwriter Solomon and Kozleman, it, it was brilliant on their part, the way they weaved in the diabolical and the psychological compatibility that the demon has with the possessed person and the way the person, uh, you know, they call it bipolar. You have the person's personality asserting itself, talking, speaking, asking for help. Then the demon takes over entirely the brain, the mind, the mouth, and they go back and forth. It was brilliant. It was masterful. And I can tell you, I've helped, um, uh, Father John Hamsh, uh, rest in peace. I've helped uh, Father Mike Sears. You well know him. Rest in Father peace. Bob. Uh, in 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 this area, and I can tell you, what I saw in that movie was exactly consistent with what I've seen with my own two eyeballs. It was it was a masterful display of the way the diabolical compatibility with the human with the human person. And the way they, they're able to, at times, just overtake them entirely. Father, was there any spiritual warfare issues that occurred while you were making the movie oh, itself? That's a good question. Uh, a lot. Yeah, you, you would only give me five minutes to yeah, do that. Yeah, that could take I a whole hour. an hour worth. Uh, I'll just tell you my... Uh, I, 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 unfortunately, I have to give you the, the quick versions of it. The uh, My appendix, uh, I had appendicitis, didn't know. I thought it was heartburn. Yep. Then it started turning to appendicitis on Our Lady's feast day of the of Guadalupe. My wow. I had found out that I had I went to the ER, had my appendix taken out that night. Wow, uh, I was in extreme pain. That there's a long story with that. Really, really painful. The doctor tells me the next day on on December 13th, which is Our Lady, which I'm sorry, is Saint Lucy, right? Mm-hmm. And the the lady who cleaned my room, her name was Lucille. And I knew then that not only did the Blessed Mother have my back, but the Lord said, hey, look, I'm bringing Lucille to clean your room <laughs> on Saint Lucy's feast day, which I, I took a picture of the board because nobody would have believed me. And uh, and then I told the, the directors, I say, I'm in the hospital, I'll be available on the 15th of December. And that's when the, the windstorm happened. And we were talking about the dark gospel in the movie there. And that's when when the, the directors would say action, the wind would pick up. And they found out that that was the worst windstorm in the history of Oklahoma ever on that day when we were filming. Wow. And every time we would say action, the wind would go up and it was it would be ripping the uh, the metal on top of the ceiling of this basketball court. And it, every time it, it sounded like the Titanic was about to split in half. Wow. And then every time they would say cut, the wind would stop. Amazing. Action, wow. the wind would take off. Incredible. Cut, it would go down all day for 12 hours. Wow. The moving nefarious. Forward. The moving nefarious starts today, April fourteenth, in your yes. in your nearest theater. Uh, nefarious, the movie. It starts today. Catholics go out there and support this movie, written by two great Catholic men. Father Darren, any anything else? Yes, you got to go see the film. It's an amazing. Uh, it's really really good. Uh, if we want to make more of these type of films, we have to support it. We got to. Yes. If if you don't want, if you don't, if you, if we're going to complain about culture and say, oh, we need more of this, we need more of these faith based films, then support it so we can make more of them. Money, unfortunately, yeah. is what we need. There's Absolutely. nothing else. There's no. It's pretty simple.
And, yeah, you can buy. I don't know what else to say. Father, let me jump in and say there's 16 yeah. or 18 other movies coming out right at the same weekend. So there's a lot of well, competition. Like six or seven. Yeah, yeah, five or by six the, uh, yeah, by the uh, by the authors of the of the show. My question, my point is, this is why we need to support this because they're going to look at this. If we come out strong this weekend, it'll continue to go on. Is that a fair yes. statement? That's a very fair statement. And the funny part about all this is that when Nefarious decided to go on the 14th, all of a sudden the Pope's exorcist changed his state to come out the 14th. Exactly, that's my uh, point. All these other films decided, all of them, they all, they, the devil knew what he was doing. He yes. said, oh, you guys, you think you're smarter than me? Well, pick a date. And yeah. we did. And then all the devil goes, okay, I'm going to influence my people to pick the same date too. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's what I, I talk about. I can tell you a lot of the movies that are coming out on the Diabolical are pure garbage because all they are, all they are is gratuitous uh, yep. uh, violence, gratuitous phenomena, mm -hmm. glorifying the devil. Not this movie. This movie mm -hmm. captures the truth about Satan, demons, demonic forces, unlike anything you've ever seen on the screen, this movie, Nefarious. And it's a perfect Trojan horse because it also introduces the reality of the culture wars to an audience that would never be attracted to a film about God. And, uh, and, no. and I'm telling you, it's of the caliber of silence of the Lamb. It also yes. shows you the fullness of truth in Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church in a very subtle way. And it exposes yes. the dark forces of Satan in this powerful film. Go out, Catholics, and watch it starting tonight, April 14th. Father, anything else? Yes, not only should you do that, just got to remember, too, that this film uh, is, is, if you'll notice, it's not that pro-Christian either. I mean, it doesn't talk about Jesus at all, hardly. No. So it's a it's an amazing amazing feat. It's like well, screw tape letters perfectly in the modern day context. It's really really well done. I mean seriously, they they're saying this is one of the best movies of the year, and they're saying that in fact Sean Sean Patrick's going to be nominated. They're going to try to get him nominated for an Oscar for his performance. They're they're sending in the paperwork right now for that. To the, Father, let me the jump Academy. in one more time and say there are many fallen away Catholics who don't think that uh, evil is out there. Isn't this a movie that can bring many souls back to the church? I really hope so. I think let's see the arguments that we make in the film of how, how evil is penetrating our culture. Amen. Well, thank you again. People go out to see that movie, Nefarious. Father, thanks for got taking to. the time. God bless you. And thank you, guys. God ministry. bless you. Thanks, Jesse. Right thanks, Terry. Got it, buddy. Hey, Jess Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? Live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Pray a rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. Wear your sacramentals around your neck every day. Be holy or die trying. And remember, flee this corrupt generation. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is Friday. Let's make some sacrifices for the yes. salvation of souls. You can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ by offering all of your sufferings in union with him to help redeem the world. Up next, Bible with the Barber. Stay with us. If you don't have it on your station, pick up the free app by going to vmpr.org and download that app. You'll get all of our shows. Father Jesse... Great show. Thanks again for joining us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you and your family.